0: last two weeks have really been like a tale of two cities we we had some of the best news we've had in a very long time um and then i counter that with we're in the slog with a few things and it's just like if we weren't then it would just be roses everywhere
1: the ups the downs the highs and the lows the best news ever and the slog. This is the life of a startup founder. Welcome back to Tiny Seed Tales, a series where I follow a founder through their struggles, victories, and failures as they build their startup. I'm your host, Rob Walling. I'm a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of Tiny Seed, the first startup accelerator designed for bootstrappers. Today, in episode three of our first season, a follow up with Craig Hewitt of Castos, one of nine startups chosen for this year's TinySeed Accelerator batch. I recommend listening to the first two episodes of this season if you haven't already. As you heard him say a moment ago, it's been an up and down week for Craig. Let's find out about his big news.
0: We had some of the best news we've had in a very long time. We made an offer and it was accepted to uh, the person that will be our full-time marketer, Denise Michel is coming on with us full time and uh, she's a rock star. I mean she is everything that that I wanted to hire and a marketer and uh, just everything smart, experienced, tenacious, and has a really good attitude about things. And so I'm really excited about what that means for the business in the long term.
1: I think the first thing I want to hear about is more about the story of hiring Denise because we've already been following that thread the last last few episodes. Tell me what it was like the very first time you guys spoke when you interviewed her because by then, by then she had responded to the job opening with her resume and she had answered, I think you had five kind of qualifying questions um, and her answers to those were really good from what I remember. So you guys get on that first Zoom call and you talk to her for, for 30 minutes or, or 60 minutes. What, what did that look like and how did it feel?
0: yeah it was uh and so so the process you described is is right so we had uh, kind of a three or four question application along with a resume that was kind of the initial thing uh she came in from we work remotely, so it's not someone I knew previously and yeah after that we i you know we got a hundred applicants or something like that sent questions to a dozen or so uh, and then from there interviewed four or five people uh, of which she was one of them and yeah hopping on the 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 video call with her was was really interesting because you know, right away, like I have a couple of, and I don't mean them to be sneaky, but but they are kind of challenging questions and scenarios. Uh, and one of them is just not talking very much, uh, because it, it lets you see how someone kind of handles themselves and how comfortable they are. And, and I like to open the conversations a lot with, yeah, so do you have any questions for me? And just sit there and just sit there. <laughs> and on video, it's kind of tough sometimes. And she had like five stellar questions for me right to start with and some of them were tough and so like to me that's really great because I think if you're trying to build like a, a high growth business you need to have people that can challenge you in a positive way and and that's kind of what I got out of that the first I mean 10 or 15 minutes of just you know her asking questions about the business and me and you know my other business podcast motor that's in the in the kind of podcasting space now they play together and what we can do to co-market the two and all these kind of things and I just set the stage for me of like, okay, this person knows how to handle themselves. Uh, She's confident. She's done her homework. And from there, just went through, I had a a series of like five or six questions that I I wanted to ask folks, mostly along like, how and why are you coming from your previous role? Because I think that's like, you you hear people say that's like the only question they ask in an interview is like, why are you leaving your current position? Because that tells pretty much everything else, like, oh you know, my boss is a jerk and I didn't have any room for expansion, that means that person just makes excuses and they're not a winner. But if they say I wasn't challenged enough in my previous role and I'm looking to expand, you know, my my professional capacity and get into something that's really challenging, that means that that person is a risk taker and is is ready to kind of go get them. And uh, so I asked a, a lot of questions like that. And yeah, I was just really impressed with uh, kind of how she handled herself and, and kind of everything about it. And then really coincidentally, she uh, was traveling Europe and was about an hour away from where I live. And so we actually caught up and had coffee the next week uh, in a really like chance kind of schedule thing uh, that we, you know, had our video interview and then got together for coffee like four or five days later. And that was really nice just to be able to talk in person. So we met for another hour right after that. So
1: And after the first video conversation... The first interview, basically. Did you think to yourself, she's the one, like, assuming everything else checks out, I'm going to hire her?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because at this point, she was the last person that I did video interviews with. So I did four other video interviews before her. And so a little bit of like, okay, I know what the rest of the talent pool that I have access to, at least at this point, is like. And she was three or four times better than anyone else.
1: So she was such an outlier. How do you think, like, that, I think that's unusual. I've done a lot of hiring, and typically you wind up with that last f- whittling down from five down to one starts to be hard, right? It starts to be more people who, who have pros and cons on different sides. Well, I really like this person's personality, but they don't have as much experience with this. Why do you think, or do you have any, do you have any idea why this was so different? Where This was an easy choice for you, it sounds like, and that is very unusual in my experience.
0: Yeah, I I think a lot of it comes down to, and I think we talked about this last time, that a lot of the other people that were really highly qualified did not have strengths in the kind of organic inbound lead nurturing aspect of marketing. Uh, A lot of it was like in paid acquisition. And so like once I kind of realized that that was not exactly the type of person we wanted to go to, then the the merit of some of those people went down a lot. Because they were really, really, really highly qualified and, and would have been great people in a in a different role, but I think once I pretty firmly decided that we need a good inbound marketer, um, that that it made her skill set and experience, you know, be be kind of like the only only obvious choice. I, I will say that I think to your point, we didn't have you know hundreds of really great applicants. Um, so so a little bit of it is she was really the only really good applicant we got in in this in this respect. Um, and so maybe if I have hesitations, that's that's maybe one of them is the sample size of, of really good inbound marketers um, wasn't huge. But I think she's going to be really great. So I don't have a lot of concern about it.
1: Yeah. And for what it's worth, I spoke with her as well. And we were supposed to talk for about 30 minutes and we ended up speaking for over an hour. And I was also super impressed with her. And with the questions, I like what you did at the beginning of that interview where you just said, what questions do you have for me? Because it can show you. What someone's thinking about, and whether they, if they say, no, I don't have any for you, like that's a red flag, right? They should be thinking hard (laughs) about this. And, but at the end of the call, I was like, hey, so you don't have to go in a few minutes. And she just, she went in, she was like, well, tell me about Craig. Like, you know, what do you think are his biggest strengths as founder? Why did you guys write a check to Castos? What do you think Castos's, you know, biggest opportunity is and and their biggest strengths over the next few years? What do you think they're going to face? I mean, really good questions, right? Like, vetting, do I want to work with Craig? Do I want to work for this company? Um, Probably trying to solidify. I mean, it's almost like a reference check is how I found it, which mm-hmm. I was, imp- I was impressed by.
0: Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think if you don't have to sell the person to get into your organization as much as the other way around, then, then it's not a good fit.
1: You and I chatted and you said, yep, I'm going to make her an offer. You reached out to her with essentially your offer. What happened from there? I assume you sent her an email. What happened from there? Was there negotiation? Was there a lot of back and forth or was it a pretty quick process?
0: Uh both. Yeah. There was negotiation. So we sent um kind of a formal offer letter. It's the first time we've sent a formal offer letter like with hello sign and that was pre-signed by me and everything. And so it just kind of laid out what the what the compensation package was. And she she came back and said, I have some questions. Can we talk later this week? And so we got on the phone and talked for about forty five minutes. Uh and compensation was one of the things that she had questions on. Rightfully so. I mean it's a job and that's like the first thing. But there were other things like equity in the company and opportunity for things like revenue sharing and opportunities for advancement and what mentorship and tiny seed would look like for her because she's not a founder. Uh, And a lot of these, again, like really, really great things to be asking. And we had, I don't want to say like good answers for a lot of them and that we are able to give a lot of things that that she would need. Um, We didn't have some of the things. And I think that's just part of joining an early stage startup like this. And, you know, I came back and said, look, we can't give you health insurance. We can't give you, you know, 401k matching and stuff like that. But you're going to join this team and you're going to be working right alongside me and with the Tiny Seed mentors and with Rob and with all these people that honestly are going to make your career because you're going to work with us for however long, I hope a long time. Uh, And then you're going to go and be like chief marketing officer of the next place you work for or go start your own business. And so while... On paper, the deal is not as good as you might get somewhere else. The intangibles and the long-term stuff is, I think, exponentially better. And she's totally on board for that.
1: I'm glad we were able to witness firsthand Craig's entire hiring process, and I'm excited to see how the onboarding goes as we chat with him over the next few weeks. As Craig said in the opening, it's been a tale of two cities, the big win with hiring Denise and the other city, the slog. So what do you mean by the slog?
0: Specifically, the, the slog is that we're the rate at which the company is growing is slowing down. And uh, I know, Rob, you and I have talked off and on about our bus- about this business for, for quite a while, actually. And, and there is a point in SaaS where if your metrics all stay the same, the number of new trials you have every month and your churn... Uh, And your LTV that you're going to reach a point of like plateau.
1: There's a lot of startup lingo in this next section. So just to be sure we're all on the same page. Churn in this context is revenue churn. It's the percent of revenue you lose each month due to customer cancellations. LTV is lifetime value of a customer. It's how much a customer will pay you before they decide to cancel. And MRR is monthly recurring revenue. Back to the plateau.
0: You know, Plateau is not a discrete event, but I think we're approaching that based on all the stuff that we've been doing so far. And it's just that new MRR that's coming in every month is effectively being canceled out by churn. And the reason is because we're not increasing the number of new trials we have. And so the timing couldn't be better to bring someone on to to head up marketing. And, And that's probably why I'm so excited about Denise coming on, is I have a lot of expectations and hopes about what that means. But the counter of it is that, you know, we've reached this point where our, yeah, our new MRR and our churn are getting close to equal. And so we're, we're still growing and, and I'm, I'm happy that we're still growing, uh, but, but not by as much as we were before. And that's just tough to see.
1: This is the hard, well, I mean, one of the hard parts of, of growing a company like this is that your identity gets tied to it and your whole becomes your whole world aside from your family. I know your family is very important to you, but I get the feeling you're a, you're a work family person right i don't think you do a lot of hobbies i'm guessing maybe skiing yeah you ski yeah yep. yeah but, i
0: mean in the winter we ski a lot yeah
1: but it's like this is your whole focus and so if that's not going well it's hard to hard to deal with it and it, it sounds it's not going it's not terrible right it's just but you can see it coming you can see that train coming and you know that if you don't do something it, it is going to get it will get to the point where it's pretty painful and almost the anticipation of that um can be a hard thing how does that ever-present stress manifest itself in you? Like some people have trouble sleeping. Other people, they eat too much. They don't eat enough. Other people are really stressed when they're with their family or they can't pay attention because they're not focused. What types of things? Do, how do you feel that? Because th- I know what this looming stress feels like and it sucks. Uh, this It's not even looming. It's, as you said, it's just ever-present. It's kind of with you 24-7. You wake up in the morning. <laughs> You're thinking about it. Um, how does that manifest itself in you?
0: Not sleeping a little bit. I, yeah, I don't sleep great. And I, I try very, very, very hard not to let it affect my time with my family. Uh, I think that's one of the, the biggest challenges of, you know, being an entrepreneur and, you know, maybe working from home and having a home office is like your work is here and your family is 15 feet away. And the separation of those two is is very thin. And so when you have a bad day or you're going through a tough time to To not have that carry over to your family is is a very difficult thing to manage. I try very hard not to let it affect my time with my family, and my wife is really supportive about saying, you know, hey, if you need to go work, go work, don't worry about us when this you know whenever you're able to be with us is great and, and that's really wonderful because I think if you if you are you know a single parent or something you have ever present responsibilities to your family and the stress of you know, running a, a, your own business of any kind, no matter how it's doing. I think that letting that bleed over gets really difficult. So to have, you know, Amanda, my wife, as the support is super helpful to to let me focus on work when I need to. And then time with family. I, I try very hard to, to let it be time with family, but I, I'd be kidding myself if I said it, it hasn't affected it some in the last, you know, what, a few weeks.
1: Do you think about work much when you're not at your computer?
0: Yeah. You know, I, I try when I'm not at my computer, I try to, to be busy and active and doing something and not cause like I'm some health fitness nut or anything like that, but just to, to be moving. Cause I am like, I sit all day at my computer. And then when I'm with my kids, you know, I, you know, want to play with them outside or go for a bike ride to my son or whatever. Uh, and so I'm always trying to move. I, I think that <laughs> the scary times are when you're with yourself, and it's quiet and you're like, Oh, this is <laughs> the boogeyman's around the corner. Um, the, the work boogeyman. So yeah, I, I try to stay active and doing something. Cause then I can't think about it too much.
1: Now that we're on our third episode, I asked Craig how it's been feeling to talk about the ups and downs of his company in such a public space every couple weeks. I'm curious, like how, how this feels to you to have these conversations. Is it, is it fun or is it not like is it uncomfortable or is it just neither? It's just like you're used to talking on the mic and so you're okay with that.
0: Yeah, I, I right, I've I've podcasted a lot. No, not not as much as you have, but I've podcasted a lot and, and I talk about some bad things on on my own podcast, but not a lot. And that's maybe not fair because you know again we have a responsibility as people who kind of share our story. We have to share both sides, otherwise people are are getting a false impression of what this is all about. So, so talking so much about when things aren't going great is a little new for me, but I do very much enjoy kind of the the time before our calls, even I kind of sit and try to reflect and make some notes about kind of what I've been doing. And that is really helpful. That is really helpful. And we do that as part of tiny seed, you know, we have, we have calls, where we give an update on what we've been doing in the business. And it's always great. Like I made my list for this week of the stuff I've done in the last two weeks. And I was like, holy shit, I've like, I've done a lot of work in the last two weeks. And this is all like big picture impact on the business stuff. And so when I do that, I say, there's not a lot else I can do. I've done my work. I've put in the hours. They've been really good hours. And and I think that that is, you know, putting us in the right place. Um, So if the result isn't wonderful, I, I... take some solace in the, in knowing like, yeah, you know, I've done the right things and in the right way.
1: There's such a strong case to be made for reflecting on a day, a week, two weeks, a month, a year, and, and being, th- looking back and being thankful for certain things is huge. Um, but also just reflecting on what went well and and what didn't. I mean, that's the, it's like an ancient practice and it's what retreats are all about, I hear you on, on digging into the negative stuff. I think it's a personality dependent thing. And I don't think either of our personalities tend to dwell on that stuff.
0: Yeah. For me, I think that's it is like, yeah, not to avoid the topic, but if you don't talk about it all the time and kind of have a woe is me attitude about it, then you can stay positive to stay active in the business and doing the right things. If you just sit around and mope about how things are going, then you're, it's only going to get worse, I think, you know? So like, I, I feel like, you know, acknowledge that you kind of know where things are and the, the steps you have to take to get there. And as long as you're conscious of, of kind of what that path looks like, then, then just doing the work to get there is all that matters. And and where you are right now is not as important as, as doing the work to get where you need to go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I also like the point you brought up about when you look back at what you did over the past few weeks, you feel like you've accomplished a lot or you've done a lot. And whether it works out or not, you feel good about your contribution and you feel good that you've had your head down. And I think that's I think that's really important because this is such a it's such a marathon that being able to maintain that level of kind of appreciation for the process and almost can helps I think, can help smooth out some of the highs and lows that we talk about.
0: You know, I I tell Amanda, I tell my wife that some of my best days are when I work a lot and it's because I leave knowing, okay, I did a ton of work today. I did a lot of really high intensity kind of thinking work, not just answering a bunch of emails, but I, you know, I redesigned a landing page or I set up this strip campaign or whatever. And I leave that day feeling great. Even if like business that day or the last couple of days wasn't great, I know I'm like, okay, I am on top of my shit, and everything is buttoned up, and we put in into place some things that are going to make a difference. And that's like, I think that's the biggest indicator of how I feel is how much good work I can get done in whatever period of time.
1: Stay tuned as I follow up with Craig in our next episode, and we continue delving into his biggest struggles, victories, and failures on next week's episode of Tiny Seed
0: Tales. And there's a fair amount of intimidation or fear around the level of product market fit that you have to start running ads to, to your product makes you really question that because people organically come in and they find you and that's great, they sign up and they become customers and you're really happy, but, but when you start forcing that to happen, you need to be, or I needed to be really, really sure that Everything about the onboarding and sign-up process and people getting started was was really smooth. Otherwise, you, you just you know the the analogy is like you put a bunch of water in the top of the bucket and it leaks out the bottom.